it's the Good Hang Book Club, where every book is a brand new day. It's the Good Hang Book Club, where we come together in a special way. Why spend your days playing Candy Crush, slowly turning your brain to mush? Stop staring into your TV screen, quit watching life, live the dream! Pick up the book, you bastard, get some learning done! Get some learning done! Pick up the book, you bastard, Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Good Hang Book Club. And Hello, Good Hang Gang of Books. Hello, <laughs> Good Book Hang Club. Good book hang. Club thing, Oprah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we're going to try a new little thing. And this is our very first attempt at a um, dedicated episode to just one thing. One thing. So, you know, no more distractions, no more talk about. Um, uh, uh, Marvel or gay politics or yeah. John's once, diet. Yeah. Or, For once, Nathan's not going to get mad at technology. Yes. Except that he probably will be. Pro- probably will be. For once, we're not going to talk about gay stuff, except we probably will. Probably will be. But either way, but we're always through the lens of this novel, Ready Player One by Ernest Klein. A very good book, if you're into that sort of thing. I liked it. I really liked it. Yeah. So um, the whole concept of what we're doing here is um, at the start of this month, uh, so at the top of July, um, we asked you guys to um, join us in a little journey and check out this book called Ready Player One, if you were interested at all. And uh, what we're going to do basically from now onwards is every month cover one book and just dig in really yeah um so it really helps if you read the book because if you didn't you're gonna be lost yeah. for the most of this episode but if you haven't keep listening for a while because i know a bunch of you are a bunch of lazy shitheads hmm. so we'll try to we'll spend the first couple minutes trying, trying to, to sell you them. we're gonna to sell, sell you on this book on this book yes and uh, um, maybe those that have already read it um that could you know entice them to read it again yeah a second read because um this kind of book club did entice john to read it several more times oh yeah so um good. So yeah, we're going to get into Ready Player One, a book by Ernest Klein about the coolest freaking things ever. Yeah, Nathan, what's this book about? Okay, so Ready Player One, the long and short of it is, takes place in the year 2044. And the world has gone to shit. It's gone to shit. Global warming, climate change, there is so much just like badness all around us. But, but, bright side is, this guy named James Halliday, he invents a social network slash virtual reality um, that people can escape to, you know? Yeah. Um, so think Appropriately of, enough, called yeah, The Oasis. Yes, it's called The, the Oasis. Oasis. So think about it as a Facebook slash World of Warcraft slash um, Habbo Hotel. It's just, it's just everything. Like, so, <laughs> it's everything. So James Halliday and his, and his, uh, his partner, Ogden Morrow, uh, were game designers as kids. Yes. They met in high school, met, bonded over the nerddoms, and, became, and started being video game creators. They created a bunch of vi- uh, successful games, but their coup de grace was this thing called the Oasis, which it, it was, was like it's like a game to end all games. Really. It was the game. It did. It pretty much in this in this uh, timeline, it ended all games. It's the only game there is now. There's the yes. only thing there is because what it is is it's like it started out as like your 
World of Warcraft, but times 10. Yeah. Because they gave you, like, they gave you this visor that beamed the image onto your retina. So, like, you were living in it. It's like the Oculus Rift, right? And it, and gave, it, also you, gave, the, and it gave you these gloves yeah. that, were, that you were able to actually feel tactile things. So, if you say, for example, you held a ball in the game, like, the gloves would adjust so you would feel like... Yeah, like actually, it would press against your skin. Yeah, that you're so holding you a ball would, in real life. That's awesome. Technology that doesn't not exist. They're working on these things. Um, but anyway, yeah, uh, they uh, they create this virtual reality, and the whole world basically just falls in love with it because yeah. the whole world outside has gone to shit. <laughs> so they escape to this. Um, so here's the kicker. All right, the inventor of this huge social network. Um, one day he passes away mm-hmm. due to old age. Um, and he decides to, instead of, you know, leave a will and just say goodbye, he decides to be a little bit of a badass, <laughs> the way he is, and he designs a game around his death. Um, he sets the entire world on an Easter egg hunt. Yeah. Before he dies, he says, I'm leaving my entire fortune and control over this entire social network. Worth billions and billions and billions of dollars. Billions upon billions of dollars. Like all the money. I'm going to hide it in this game. The only way to get this treasure is to solve my puzzle. He puts out a puzzle in the form of a bunch of riddles, and he releases this um, uh, kind of like memoir full of hints. Then he just leaves it that he leaves it at that. Yeah. He just says, "Figure it out, find like basically the most valuable thing in the world, yep. and see ya. I'm gone." And he dies. Here's the kicker to that kicker. Um, uh, Halliday was obsessed with 80s pop culture. Mm-hmm. He grew so, up in the 80s. He grew up in the 80s. That's where, and which was like basically the birth of nerddom. It's when computers started coming. So all his riddles, all the world in 2044 gets obsessed with 80s culture again because to find the egg, you have to be well-versed in 80s uh, movies, video TV games. shows, video games, comic books. It's really good. So and the whole world just becomes inundated in that culture again, which is yep. a really cool thought. Um, but so yes, that is the world that this book is set in. Where the book drops us off is after five years after his death. Five years after his death, nobody has even gotten no close. Not, not cracked. No one has gotten close. Thing. But there's a huge community now of these people called egg hunters, or short to gunters, gunters, who are devoted to finding him. But no one can make heads or tails of this thing yeah. until one man, one man, one man finds the first. He solves the first hint, the yeah. first out of three hints. So leads yeah. into the first key, which leads into the first gate, yeah. et, cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, so we're, we're dropped into this world where the entire planet Earth is obsessed with finding this treasure in this social network. And this guy, luckily enough, he finds it. We find out more and we kind of delve into this guy's world. Yeah, because the conflict of this thing comes from... Because not... I mean, most people trying to find the the, um, the egg are, are good people who are, who are proper nerds and, and, and we're want for good cause. But there's also this thing called IOI. Who's like this evil corporation that's trying to get to the money to basically get in control of the Oasis because the Oasis it's it's free to use like it's like a five dollar membership fee for a year just yeah. for upkeep, but this company wants to monetize it more and put lots of ads and and choke the bandwidth and all this nasty shit that they want to do. Mm. IOI innovative something something what's it called innovative online industries online industry that's it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, there is trouble afoot. Yep. You know, not all is good in the world of Ready Player One. Uh, like John mentioned, there is there is a company called IOI, and they are out to get this treasure first. Yeah. First, because whoever gets this treasure has control over the largest, like, um, social network known to man at this in this world. And not to mention billions and billions of dollars. So it's a race. It's a crazy race it's to a find race the treasure between IOI and five young brave. 
genius souls. Genius in that they know everything there is to know about the 80s. Yeah. And they are video game experts. So, yeah. So um, that's Ready Player One. In that's, that's a summary of Ready Player One. Um, it's, oh my gosh, I really did love this book. I mean, um, if, if you're listening to this and you haven't read the book yet, stop right stop. now. Stop whatever you're stop. doing. And just spend the next three, four days, because that's how long I took to just <laughs> it's like, close by blast through it. And check it out. I think it's 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 a really interesting book. Um, those that have already read it and are listening to this now, you know what I you mean. You get it. You get it. You get it. Tell I them. Mean, you can tell, hear tell the, the excited. You can see that. You can hear the excitement in our voices. We really do really love this book. Um, yeah. I read it. I read it, and then I've gone back and reread it, and I've listened to the audiobook again. And Nathan just straight up went with the audiobook. Yeah. So go there. You know where to find stuff. Yeah. Get the book. Download the book. Yeah. Download the audiobook. We'll see you guys later. Yes. But for those of you who are awesome and have already. Right, welcome to the spoiler section. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. All right, so... um, So overall thoughts on the book. You like it, love it, hate it, where you were at. Okay, overall thoughts on this book. I loved it. I was just so... Okay, like, I I generally... Whenever I start reading a book from, like, start to finish, nonstop, like, literally, like, just don't even take a break, that's when I know that I'm just knee-deep in this world. Like, we know you have to... You actually have to, like, be... It's to set the I, book down because you need a break. You need like I will set aside time. I will set aside time. I'll literally like tell somebody like, "Hey guys, I, I can't meet tonight. <laughs> I gotta read a book. <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta read a book, yo. <laughs> you know, you know what I need some of that literature. Oh, <laughs> but um, pop literature. Um, but yes, uh, I was, I was just so immersed in the world created by Ernest Klein. I was so in, I was so in love with it, just because it's so close to kind of like what we're experiencing nowadays but we'll get more into that later um what i want to talk about um first oh john your overall thoughts on this book loved it loved it loved it as soon as i started reading it, i loved it i in, in since we were preparing for this episode i went to look on other people's thoughts on the book and it's actually quite uh, der- uh divisive mm-hmm. divisive divisive anyway most good things are most people loved it some people hated it and thought i think a lot of people hated it because a lot of people like loved it you know what i mean mm. Where it's like oh it's so popular i don't get it uh, i read i read shakespeare yeah like i said like, like most most good things are divisive you know if it's in the middle of the road kind of like oh yeah i think it's cool yeah, yeah then it doesn't have much of a cultural impact you know you know something is great when one side is in love with it and the next side is just like i don't get it i don't like it get it on my face here. like here is the perfect review i read on reddit of ready player one mm. and i quote from sam wise the hero on the book subreddit he goes ready player one is the bacon of science fiction everything it lacks in depth is largely made up by, for by flavor <laughs> i had the good fortune to read it on airplane it is the perfect airplane read <laughs> that's great that's perfect that's thing perfect. is though i fucking love bacon i love flavor like i'm sure there's like you know, in terms of, like, deep, deep, deep science fiction of, like, really showing a mirror to... I mean, it accomplishes that. Yeah. I like that it's easy to consume. And it's, like, there's enough things that get me... Because th- it got it brought up a lot of thoughts, huh? Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, don't expect, like, J.D. Salinger or Margaret Atwood or freaking J.M. Coetzee. Yeah, it's much more fun. It's much more fun. <laughs> um, this is... Um, it's 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 a fluffy read, but it's also... I wouldn't very... even say it's fluffy. It's just quick. It's quick and it's fun. Yeah. It's the perfect combination that makes it a good airplane read. Like, you wouldn't put it down. Yeah, yeah, I, could, yeah. I, could, I could finish this book on a plane. I would say fluffy just because it's very action movie mm. kind of things going on. Mm. And it's just, yeah, it's very easily consumable. I mean, it, it's being made mm. into a movie. If you guys yes. didn't know that, it's being made to a movie directed by Sir Motherfucking Steven Spielberg. But again, we're going to talk more about that later. Talk about that later. First off, um, I'm going to kick this off by talking about how I inhaled this book. <laughs> so, um... 
For the first time in my life, I listened to an audiobook just because I figured, why the hell not? I still can't believe that's the first time you listened to it's an audiobook. It's the first time I listened to an audiobook. Okay, it's, as, it's like a podcast, but with story or more stuff. That is, <laughs> that's kind of what I figured as I was listening to it. Okay, yeah. Because as I'm saying, as I'm speaking to you guys through this podcast, I'm looking at my bookshelf full of hard copy books. And that's kind of how I've always consumed books. He hasn't read any of them, to be honest. I've, uh, how many of those have you read? Like five? Like 70%. 70% of which part? <laughs> Just that top shelf? 70% of that one book. Um, <laughs> um, so, uh, Oh, the cat in the hat one? Yes. Um, I've always consumed books through um, like the, the physical copy or just a, as an e-book. I got to read it, you know, just because I figured that's the only way I you could do it. Because the idea of audiobooks is, has always kind of weirded me out. Like, I don't want someone else telling me the story. Mm. Like, I want to do the voices in my own head. I want to read at my own pace. I want to just, you know, I want to be the characters. Um, but strangely enough, like my first time, this is this this Ready Player One popped my audiobook cherry. Yep. And I really enjoyed it. It was narrated by Will Wheaton, or Will Wheaton, however you like to pronounce it. And I was so kind of just immersed in it so much more because I found myself being able to um participate in this book in a lot more um in, in much more words are hard. Um in much more frequency. I was able to listen to this book while I was driving, while I was jogging, while I was at the gym, while I was walking from one place to another. You know, it was just so much more immersive, you know, as opposed to, you know, having to be in a perfect setting, you know, sitting yeah. in a coffee shop or, you know, sitting by your bed reading a book. This was just so much more immersive just because I was able to be out in life like doing things and being productive, but at the same time, like, being immersed in this but were world. You, did you find you were able to concentrate? Because for me, I never ever read a like mm. a, a get, do an audiobook on the first pass Mm-mm-mm. because I, I find that I can't concentrate. Well, here's the thing. Um, I was still a little bit shaky in the first few chapters because I realized I had to rewind a lot because I missed stuff out. I'd be oh, so like, you would constantly be rewinding. Okay. Well, in in the beginning, like I would be say driving and then I just kind of space out and I just yeah. don't even and then you, pay you attention. Back and you're like, oh my god, what the hell? How do we get here? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Basically, that's what happened. Um, but then as we went on. I got more and more used to the narrator's voice, right. his pacing, um, the characters, what was going on. Because like once the world was established and I had that world kind of set in my head, like, everything was cake. Like it was just so easy to just like I could I, I could have been doing calculus and listening to the audiobook. You know, <laughs> that was just how easy it was to consume. After that, um, it was. I, I just think it's so interesting that like I've never realized that this was such an. Uh, a immersive medium audiobooks yeah, totally. who thunk it who thunk because it? with me when i'm reading a book i've gotten to the place where i need to like i play like either classic music classical music or a yeah. soundtrack something music without lyrics so yes, i can it yes, can take yes. away i need to take away that part of my same brain same here same here whereas audiobooks i guess could take care of it where it's just you just listen and you block out the world and you yeah. just listen you, you enter this world yeah 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 and it's just again like you can do it in so many more places as opposed to you know you have to put on classical music and sit by your bed like um it's just a lot more accessible i mm-hmm. think and I guess what I'm trying to say here, like, I'm just trying to sell this idea of an audiobook, but just because I'm sold. Like, yeah, I, audiobooks, I have... Audiobooks are good. Yeah, over the last week, I've been sold by this concept of an audiobook. So audiobooks, if you, if not just for the blind. <laughs> so, yes. So if you want to try it, um, uh, Audible has free trials. Yep. You can literally go on Amazon.com or, or download the Audible app and, like, buy... Get your first book free. I think, no, no, get your, no, no, no. You get your first two books free. Do you have to give your credit card information and stuff, though? I believe so. So it's like you subscribe, but your first two are free kind of thing. Yeah, but it's not a subscription. You kind of buy like book by book. Yeah, you buy book by book. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Here's um, the thing. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So if you guys want to do that, 
if you have two books, get these two books. Get Ready Player One and get World War Z. Or Zed, if you're weird. I say Zed. Oh, man, you haven't... Obviously, you haven't... Okay, this is not the right time to talk about it, But World War Z is the best audiobook ever because... If Sound you guys know that book, shit? no, if, yeah, no, not so much. But if you know that book, it's called from different people's point of views, right? Uh-huh. And they have a completely amazing cast of characters playing. Oh. Mark Hamill's in it, Alan Alda, oh. John Turturro. Oh. But that's not. This is not World War Z, the podcast. This is. I mean, we're just trying. Ready to, one. Yes, um, but very cool. I mean, this goes to show how diverse the medium of audiobooks are. Um, so yeah, very I mean, good, very good. I guess my recommendation for this kind of little thing I'm saying is if you don't want to read the book in in hard copy form, check out the audiobook. I mean, we're living in the age of technology. Try it. Yeah. Um, hey, you listen to you listen to Good Hang, you listen to Ready Player One. That's how you spend the rest of your life. Yep. Enjoy. Just listen. Get a good pair of headphones. Just getting voices in your head. <laughs> yeah, so let's get into the book, man. Yeah. So wow. I, just, I just love the world that was created, you know? It was like... It was the basis of why I love this book so much. Like, it was just... I understood the world. Yeah. Like, I don't know how to describe it. I just understood it. It made sense. It's like you could t- feel it. You could taste it. Like even before you step into the oasis and the culture of the oasis, just the world that was created of like this desolate land of like Mm-mm-mm. just ran out of oil, ran out of yeah. fossil fuels, gone to shit. And now people live in like, you know where they live the stacks? It's yes. like it's like trailers that are stacked yes, yes, up yes, like yes, an yes. apartment. It's just, it's brilliant. I think, I think why we understood this book so well is, okay, say for example, if this book was written 20 years ago, mm. We wouldn't have been able to relate as much. Like, say, if it was written twenty years ago and read it today, we wouldn't really be able to. Well, sorry, bad analogy. I mean, this is, so, no, no, the book wouldn't re- have been able to written. Re- rewind, years rewind, ago. Yeah, rewind. Bad analogy. Say if this book had say if this book had been written twenty years ago and we were, and we read it then, like, I don't think we would have like understood it as much because the world has changed so much in the last twenty years, mm-hmm. and like this concept of a virtual reality, the concept of like our Earth being destroyed in the next couple of decades, and this concept of um, of, of 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 connectivity yeah, making hear, us more disconnected. I hear what you're saying. I think it's kind of like you can look at the book and see where they're at, and kind of take a couple of fictional steps back to where we are. You can extrapolate. It's, it's easy to yeah, yeah. fill in the extrapolate what goes from here to there because it's so connected to our current situation where we're seeing technology advance so much. Yep. You know, because our generation we're kind of growing up with technology as it's developing. Like Facebook wasn't invented when we were kids. Nope. You know, we kind of we got into it as a novelty, and we're seeing it grow. And I think that's why this book was so easy to understand because, we, it, again, we see that progression and we understand, like, in, in five years, Facebook changed so much, YouTube changed so much, video games changed so much. So yeah, You look at, like, we went to war over oil. I mean, yeah. So by year 2044, it's, it's totally it believable that the Oasis could be a freaking thing. And every element of it was so um, well-crafted and so realistically crafted in the realm of video games. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole, like avatar system the upgrade system the 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 the, what do you call that the the artifacts yeah the Um, fact that you could pay real money to buy stuff like how money in the game before became more important yeah pay to play you can travel to different universes where you can have you can travel to like the star wars world yeah there's a whedon universe that made me so happy oh jeez. but like I, i just like how it presents technology where it's like not all like so what are the good things that come from technology? So the world's gone to shit. And well, here's some good things that you can do with the Oasis. Everyone can now go to school for free in a, in a very good... Like the best teachers can teach the most students. I think that was, that one, was, of, really that was one of the um, coolest concepts ever. Mm-hmm. Only because you know that's not far. You know that is not far oh, yeah, from be nice. being a reality. Like 
Probably not full on online school, only because you know, all like it's not a very. But I know, I know, thing. I know three people at work right now who are getting their degrees online. Well, yeah, but I'm, Isn't that but I'm cool. But I, so yeah, so take it a couple steps yeah, further. Yeah. yeah, and that's you already player one. I just love that bit when they were like, "Oh, in, in, in science class, we went to the mo- we went to Europa, we went to the mm. moons of Jupiter and stuff." I was like, "That's so cool." Maybe true, like fully, like completely online universities. Yep. Like and literally, in, like you can go to like an online class, sit in like an online yeah. virtual reality room in, in, in a Ludus. Like the the plan is called Ludus, right? Oh, and every school is a palace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the teachers want to be there. They all. It's just such a great idea. I can see that happening in our lifetime, to be honest. Like maybe not as like sure. Maybe not as in depth. There's as already a basis in. for it. Like you yeah, have you yeah. heard of the Khan Academy? No. The Khan Academy is this thing on YouTube of like these guys who think that education should be available for everyone. Yes. So you can get a full, and I, I'm not exaggerating, a full K-12 to education on YouTube. Oh, wow. Like, and you can pick and choose. Like, I went and did their art history course uh-huh. just for fun. I just listened to their art history and like different like paintings and stuff. They talk about it. You, mm. Khan Academy, put it in the show notes. That's awesome. I, so, I, yeah, I, take I, that I, a couple I, steps further. Yeah. Better graphics, more people. and Literally being able to take a virtual tour of, say, the Eiffel Tower or the Louvre. Louvre. Yeah, it's great stuff. Man, technology is cool, huh? Technology is cool, but I think that's another theme in this book. But anyway. Technology not being cool. Yes, that's another theme. <laughs> but before you get to that, I just want to go into the idea of this world that's created. I mean, because you look at like my favorite stories of all time. Mm. You talk about your Firefly, uh, Lord of the Rings. Star Wars. Star Wars. Game, of, Game Thrones. of Thrones. These things are amazing to me because it's a whole world that's created that's believable. Yes. Like, I can believe these things they're saying. Yes. I believe in the term Gunter. I believe that's a thing. I understand. Like, it's just so great. Mm. And the idea that this whole uh, 20, uh, 2044 culture is obsessed with 80s culture for this reason, I buy that. It makes sense. It makes sense because bi- hundreds of billions of dollars are on, on the, the line. line. Yes. Like, it w- I mean, even for people that weren't nerdy they would force themselves to like start studying because i mean that's what that's what wade watts is all about man like there, there's like a sense of like the 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 whole spirit of the competition it feels a bit like a lottery but not really because it actually requires skill it's a quest you have to prove yeah. yourself worthy you have to prove yourself worthy and like the whole world gets obsessed with yeah. it understandably because it's such you know it doesn't feel like a far off goal yeah. to accomplish because the character of james halliday i feel is also like it's like a, not Avatar, but it's like a stand-in for Ernest Klein, like the mm-hmm. author. Like they both, uh, Ernest Klein wants us to appreciate 80s cultures a bit more. Yes. And Halliday wants the people in Ready Player, in, in the world of Ready Player One to appreciate 80s cultures more. Because it's, it's, they're both their loves. And to understand the roots of where that, that, like the technology we enjoy today comes from. Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay, guess what kind of car Ernest Klein drives? I'm going to, I actually know this. He's a DeLorean. He drives, he drives a, DeLorean. a DeLorean. He drives a DeLorean. <laughs> That's nuts. Um, but hey, man, like, we talk about technology, how it's so interestingly crafted, how it's so, like, nicely extrapolated in the year 2044. Mm-hmm. But we have talked about this in the main show before. It's not so good, huh? The boon of technology. Sorry, the bane of technology. The bane of technology. I get those two mixed up, because boon sounds bad, too. The bane of technology. Well, that's, that's and that's a, a really nice thing that Ernest Klein uh, tackles in this book as well. So, okay, so in the beginning, in the first half of the book, it's basically like these characters don't exist if they're not inside the oasis. Yes. And there's there's talk of that, especially in like the J- Japanese culture of like yes. talk locked into the oasis. No, and then you have to have your family takes care of them, gives them food and stuff. They they're basically not alive unless they're locked into the oasis. Yeah. 
So it becomes a thing that it cripples you. But then they make a nice little thing about that because you know when like Wade moves away, gets his own thing, he makes it so that he has to run every morning on yeah. the treadmill yeah. to get to make sure he can log in and yeah. takes care of himself and stuff. Yeah. But okay, so what else were you thinking about? Like the 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 boonie bane of technology. It's just the whole gaming thing, like how people literally spend their entire like day just logged into the Oasis, save for maybe sleep and like meals. Yep. Uh, it's it's already kind of happening today. Yeah, you know? I get that. I get that. Um, as, if you guys remember, like when World of Warcraft was um, a huge thing, or like whenever like a new game comes out, like say when whenever the new Elder Scrolls game comes out, or like the new. It's like a um, joke. It's like goodbye world. Yeah, basically. People say that. And 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 that for real happens, especially in like countries where um, escapism in games is a huge thing, like you know Korea, uh, China. Um, you hear a lot of stories of like people going to internet cafes and just spending dying. hours on end and literally actually dying <laughs> in front they of the forget computers. To eat or drink. Yeah, because these worlds nowadays can be so immersive. So to think that in 2044 they can be super super immersive to the point of like tactile accuracy, I, I really believed that you know people would spend hours and hours on end. Hell, I would. Yeah. If if I could go to freaking Star Wars world, Whedon world, Goodbye world, I I would literally just but, s- spend like you can watch movies, you can play games, you can you can be um, in movies, you can fight people, you can be in movies. Like hell, like I would spend my entire life in the you Oasis. Can do, I mean, but that's the thing. You can do business online. That's how people were doing the business. That's just the way it just basically took over. Yeah. Like as shit as the real world became, the Oasis became even more, even better. Yes. To compensate. Kind of. But with everything being so amazing, everything being so accessible, everything being so um, uh, immersive, still, it's not real. Yep. And it's that's not, a really nice theme of this book. It's not reality. You know, like it's, it's beautiful. It's amazing. It's a whole different world you can live in. But it's, is it really living? And that's, that's, that's kind of how this book comes together because like these characters Wade, Artemis, H, Daito and Shoto like mm. they don't know each other they only know each other via their avatars and, yeah. and, the, and the thing they create yeah. and then towards the end where they have to come together and meet physically it's, it's quite nice Yeah, and you know no surprise here but um, Wade and Artemis who get a relationship and they get start on. dating they're online and then they meet and what does that mean? And, mm. and and the book ends with yeah, I remember the line. It's so clear. It's like for the first time, I didn't want to log back into the Oasis because mm. he was happy being in the real with a real person. Yeah, here's kind of my connection to that whole theme, like how something can just like eat at your life, even though it clearly doesn't make sense because it's not real. Mm. Like I would be okay. Like uh, a simple um, example would be, say for example, I get into this really fun game on my phone. Sure, you know, like I could spend hours just like you know collecting coins getting new items buying new characters like building my team or whatever on that phone game and i would spend like several like at least an hour a day for consecutive days just like being on my little phone and building my character stats building my team making sure i have all the money and the best weapons all the crops are put up exactly and like there's no crows attacking your crops yeah. yeah okay and while i'm in it i'm so in it but then like when i'm away from it then i think like why am I, I doing this? Why the hell did I just do all that? <laughs> why the, did that serve my life in any way? Did it feed me in any way? Like, did it um, did it amount up to anything in the end? Because in the end, it's just freaking pixels on a screen and, like, kilobytes of data. What the hell is it? Is, is it tangible? Is this success that I, I achieved in this game tangible? Is this, yeah. is this fiery sword of death that I bought 
an actual um uh, uh it's not but it's a thing but like it's in our mind so like i mean nathan you and i are entertainers right we don't yes. produce anything tangible we don't create this desk we don't build this computer but we create this we create this podcast we do music you do music i do you know i do acting and that sense that you give people that games will give us too and that's actually something i really want to talk about when it comes to this book okay is the satisfaction of delving into nerdy things Mm. Like Halliday, I mean, they hinted that he was as like as a young man was autistic and couldn't connect with people, so he immersed himself fully in these movies and TV shows and stuff. Yeah, and it helped him become the person that he was. It, it helped him cope. Yeah, but it's more than it's cope's not the right word because it goes deeper than that. There's a bonding that happens. Like, like I love the part where. Um, Wade and Artemis, Parsifal and Artemis, started getting closer together, and they started bonding and watching TV shows together and mm-hmm. sharing this experience because yeah. it's connection. Yeah, that's why I became an entertainer is because I want to give people this feeling of like a lift. Well, yeah. So it's like you know maybe yeah. we don't you know true 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 enough yeah okay that is true like with the same example of the shitty mobile game I'm just gonna come out right now it's I'm playing Marvel Future Fight it's a mm-hmm. dumbass app swipe, um, swipe 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 pretty swipe, much swipe, swipe swipe pretty much swipe some more um but. When you do meet someone with a common interest, you suddenly just feel that connection. Yeah. I, li- I, I don't even have to talk to that person for more than two minutes. The moment I know that I play the same game as them. Like, if we lived in the same world and we kind of just, like, connect and say, Hey, do you play um, Batman Arkham Knight? And they're like, yeah, I'm, I, I'm playing it right now. Immediately. I don't even have to know his name. Same. I don't even have to know which school he or she went to. We just connect in that universe, in that world. And that's kind of the it's, jumping off you point. You share a culture. It's like you yeah. meet someone, like, I meet a Filipino. I'm like, oh, we're talking about this. But, yeah. And that's cool. And blah, blah, blah. We're talking yeah. about, oh, from Manila. But if, you, if I meet someone who's in love with Firefly as I am, forget yeah. it. We're best friends. Because you spend hours in this other world. Mm-hmm. And, like, to know that someone is out there looking at that same moon. Or <laughs> along those lines of that analogy. Sure. Like, you just feel that connection immediately. So yeah, I do get that. Like, you know, um, that this whole 80s nerd culture in the book becomes like a, a bridge between the nerds, you know? And it becomes something that they can really start connecting to, even have like a hierarchy to. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'm a class 20 nerd <laughs> yeah. and you're I rock. <laughs> yeah, I get that. Because, I mean, life is hard for kids, for people. And like, you know, you could be, in broad strokes, people are jocks or they're nerds, right? I mean, mm-hmm. in very, in very, very broad strokes. You're yeah, either yeah. popular in high school or you're unpopular together. And like, Fair enough. And these things, it's a big part of my life. I mean, I guess that's why I deeply connect to these books. How did you grow up, John? Like, did you grow up with a lot of these kind of like um, TVs, mo- TV, yeah, movie, man. video games? I have a whole podcast about it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so obviously... Um, Let's see. I think that okay. So if say if Og and Halliday were real people now, if they were living now, I think they'd be what in their early forties. Yeah, sounds right. So they're older than us. But like, so I'm a little bit removed from their references. I got most of the references, yes. but yeah, but yeah, I grew up with a lot of TV you, you, shows. You didn't, you didn't play Dungeons and Dragons as a child. I didn't play Dungeons and Dragons or yeah. Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, but. I probably could have if I was younger. Because, I mean, well, my version was Magic. I played Magic yes, the Gathering. Yes. That was my way of getting immersive and nerdy. Mm. But, yeah. I, I, guess, I guess what I'm saying is that I, rep- I, um, I appreciate what Halliday goes through because he didn't have a lot of friends going up, neither did I. I, I but I did, what I did have was TV shows and video games and books to keep me company. I will agree with that. Kind of like, like before I started, um, uh, for those of you that uh, are new to this podcast, um, I am a singer slash entertainer. And, you know, I just do things in that realm. Before I started doing any of that, 
Um, I, I was a fairly antisocial child. Um, I grew up as a fat kid. I evened out eventually, but you know, I grew up as a really fat kid, really awkward around people. Um, didn't really know how to start conversations or talk to anybody. So, a lot of my childhood was spent escaping into these worlds that other people create. You know, be it TV shows, be it video games, be it like just a book. You know, I found myself really finding so much comfort in disappearing into a world where someone else's story was more important. You know, as opposed to you know having to. Think about mine, which is really a whole bunch of nothing. You know, it was nice to be in a world where interesting things were happening because nothing interesting was happening. Well, to I me. think I think it was almost like tr- subconscious training. You know, for like the day when we became storytellers ourselves. You know, I, I don't know if I thought about that. I just knew I'm that. sure we didn't. But like, yeah. it's that's how I was view it. It's like mm. people will tell me like, "Oh, John, you're a pretty good writer." I'm like, "Yeah, yeah. but I never took any writing classes." But I took. The classes of uh, Joss Whedon, Aaron Sorkin. The class of life. The class of life via the TV, you know? Yeah, um, anyway. yeah but I, I would escape into this world, like, regularly. And a lot of that still sticks with me to this day, you know? Um, flash forward to now where I am not as socially awkward. Um, I am not as um, bad with people. But still, <laughs> like, a huge part of me still gets so much life and gets so much energy from, like, these nerdy nerddoms yeah you know like because i think that's kind of like my roots and that's where i connect with a lot of people that's where you and i connect exactly right? like we freaking we are simpatico yep. in that sense but it's it's nice because you and me and then uh the main characters of the book wade and artemis and part and, Par- and um h and all of them yeah. and go back generation ogden morrow and james how they all bonded over these nerdy nerddoms i'd like to think i'm h yeah like like the the, the Avatar H black the, the woman buff white no. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, wait, wait, we're going yeah. really far from the book, so let's bring it back. Let's just go. Um, how about this, Nathan? What was yes. your favorite part of the book? My favorite part of the book. Um, I kind of dug the little romance between Wade and um, Artemis. It was cute, wasn't it? It was really cute. Like, I mean, um, I'm a sucker for like all these like romancy books because I read a lot of those as a kid. Because you know, God knows I didn't get any. Hey, um, but um. I'm a sucker for like these romances, romances in books, and something about Wade and Artem- uh, Parzival and Artemis's romance seemed so um, relevant to our times, I guess. Because you know, nowadays we don't get to know people through face-to-face conversation. I think a lot of the girls that I've gotten to know in my um, life, like really gotten to know, was through text. Sadly enough, sure. I- I'll be I'll be the first to admit. Sure. You really get to know them. You really get into deep conversations through text. Be it MSN Messenger or um, uh, back in the early 2000s. ICQ for me. Yeah. Or like WhatsApp or like straight up SMS or Facebook Messenger. Like I feel like that's kind of how I've gotten to know a lot of the, 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 the opposite genders that I've gotten close to over the years. Um, so to witness that between Artemis and Parzival, um, it was very relatable. I kind of understood how they were able to get so comfortable with each other so quickly and how all those barriers are torn down. And then, of course, the awkwardness of meeting in the beginning, <laughs> at the very end, I mean. Um, but something about that relationship just felt so cute. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I had, like, um, uh, these 
actors in my head the whole time. So like, I oh, kinda, we're definitely gonna get yeah, into that later. We're getting to that later. But I, I was playing out the romance in my head as it went See, on. The and I, I the, okay, the whole time I was reading the book, I, I remember I was going to John like in between <laughs> um, sessions of the book. I told John, "Oh fuck, dude, I really hope Artemis is not a sixer. Please, Artemis, do not be a sixer. You're the perfect I was, girl. I was like, Just you keep are reading, bro. Just you are a nerd's dream girl. If you are a sixer, I'm gonna burn this book. <laughs> I mean, I didn't actually have a book. I'm gonna burn my phone, I guess. Yeah, if but, you had to." You do what you gotta do, bro. I was so invested in that romance. I just didn't want... Okay, I wanted Artemis to maybe have, like, a flaw or something, but I just didn't want to be a bad guy. Do not be a Sixer. If you are part of the Sixers, I'm a... Kill you. Yeah, you will. You fictional character Mother. of construct in my mind. Yeah. You know what's interesting is that um, one of the main uh, negative ass people complaints about the book that people say yeah. is that... Kind of Wade Watts is a little bit, a little bit of a Gary Stu or a Marty Stu. You ever heard of this term? Nope. Started with a Mary Stu. The idea is that like a writer will create a character that's basically the main character is basically just them. I think and that like, happens a lot. It happens a lot, but it's like, but it's 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 indicative of poor writing because it's like you get everything you want to happen in your real life you just put into this character. So here's the thing. So Wade Watts is this guy who's um, doing this thing and like. Uh, Artemis is like a low-level celebrity. Like she has yeah. basically what is the equivalent of a YouTube channel. Yes. And then so he meets her, and they start chatting, and then they fall in love. Blah blah. It's, it's a Gary Stu thing. But I, I didn't really think about it, especially in the first couple of reads. Yeah. I think that happens. Nice. I think that happens a lot in books, especially written by like you know reclusive nerds. Like I think Ernest Klein is. Like you, it gets cooped up in you. You know, yeah, it's <laughs> cooped up in you, and you kind of bring out those fantasies that you have. You know, those those online romances. I think that's kind of what made it so believable because on some level, you and I connect with Ernest Klein sure. in terms of like you know being that reclusive nerd oh, with like fantasies of a nerd princess out there for you. Oh, she's out there somewhere. She's out. There she's looking somewhere. for me. Um, but I think that's kind of why um, we connected to that romance so much or at least i connected that romance so much because ernest klein was kind of putting himself in the shoes of um parzival in terms of like you know he's a awkward overweight guy who finds love on the online portal mm -hmm. and, he, and he whips himself into shape and you know like like uh, chases this girl and they fall deeper and deeper in love each time but no i can't but i must but oh mm -hmm. my mind's saying no my body's saying let's go my body but my body it's telling me yeah yeah um so I think that's kind of why I connected to it so much because sure. in, in some sense, Ernest Klein and I, we both have like that same fantasy sure. girl in our minds that we know we're never going to attain or something like that. Yeah, I, mean, um, yeah, I yeah. loved it. My favorite part was, um, I don't know, probably the actual, the, the actual, the climax of each particular gate I thought was really interesting mm -hmm. at the boss level fight. So when he's jousting with uh, the, the king guy or whatever in the first one. The skull guy. When he's going through war games and then the final one. I love that stuff. But uh, one of my favorite parts is actually when he when Wade uh, tricks the system and goes in as a prisoner of IOI. Ooh. That was some really cool shit, man. That's some Ocean's Eleven type shit. That's some Wentworth Miller shit. Totally. That's man, a prison break. That's a reference for all you... 23 and 24 year olds that watch TV Ish, yeah yeah man like Prison Break was a good show it, it started <laughs> out with potential and then kind of I know that was that, that wasn't what you were going to say but yeah that was not what I was going to say I just want to get it out no. there I like Prison Break I like, I like Prison Break <laughs> so what an, another interesting thing about this book is the idea of identity you know mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. because like in the real world we are who we are See, so what's more real? Is it who we are? In re is it Wade Watts or is it Parsifal? Mm. Can you separate them? Are they the same thing? Is it H or H Holly? What's her name? Holly, Holly something. Yeah, yeah. Ha 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 I'm going to say Holly. I just call her H. Holly Hunter. Yeah. 
Oh, that was her name. Yeah, Holly Hunter. Oh, Holly Hunter's an actress from the 90s. Damn it. Anyway. Helen so, Hunt. Damn it. Another actress from the... Sandra Bullock? No. <laughs> no. Damn it. Yeah. Right? No. Fucking Whatever H is. Anyway. So, like, yeah. So, so I think it's... Dreamcast. Helen Hunt for H. Sorry, go <laughs> sure. on. Sure. Uh, I think parts of Leonardo both did the thing where they, like... Their avatar was basically them, but a little bit taller, a little less acne, a little bit buffer, right? Mm. And some people went extremely different. For example, H. Mm. But so, yeah, it's like, when she's like, I don't really know you. You don't know me. You don't know me in real life. But but they do, right? Mm-hmm. They do know each other because it's like, it's purely their minds meeting, their thoughts. Mm. What, what do you think? What's real? What's Okay, I have a story to tell about Boom, this. Boom, get into it. I have a few stories to tell. I don't know how many we're going to get into, but... Okay, um, when I was a younger kid, very awkward, overweight, strange kid, um, back to the days of MSN Messenger, all right? I remember um, kind of being a different person online. You know, in real life, I didn't know how to talk to people. In real life, I was just kind of a very boring guy that had very interesting interests, (coughs) I guess, is the best way to say it. Sure. Um, But I would meet people in real life for the first time, and I would be that creeper that adds them immediately on Friendster Ooh. or like adds or like finds out their email account on Friendster and yeah. adds them on MSN Messenger. Be, I never had Friendster or MySpace. I'd be that guy. Yeah. And we would just start chatting on MSN Messenger, you know. Um, and I recall, oh, this is so embarrassing. I'm regretting starting this story. Yeah, well. But yeah, yeah, I, now. I, I recall being like that 11, 12 year old kid. Um, excited to be saying, chatting to a girl. Oh my god, I'm chatting to a girl oh online, and uh, she's so pretty. Um, and I want to um, be her boyfriend. Yes, you do. You know those ideas that you, you have as a kid. And I remember just being a completely different person online. I would just be a yes man. I'd be like, oh, you like this? Oh, I love that too. <laughs> or like, I remember. I, oh my gosh, this is embarrassing. I remember when I was a kid, I pretended that I was a really good guitar player. <laughs> I pretended I was a great guitar player. I would find like these guitar clips online and send it to these girls and saying like, "Oh, this check is out, me." Check out what? <laughs> no, seriously, I'd be a check out what I just practiced. I'm just I'm just working on some stuff, you know, messing around with the guitar, and they'd be so impressed, you know. Well, look and, at like, you now. You're not a half bad guitar player now. <laughs> and I remember like my my picture was like. Um, me from a very different angle where I didn't have 18 chins and you couldn't see my bowl haircut or, or my gigantic oh diver glasses. Um, oh man, those were different times, man. But I, I kind of relate to that of like wanting to hide that side of you just because, you know, online you is, can. online is being online is just such a effective mask, you yeah. know, like. Why be you if you can be a better version of you? But, and then even then, what is you though? It's like so. What you don't look like this, but this is your. These are your thoughts. If anything, if you're more comfortable and confident in expressing yourself, I was straight up plagiarizing though. I'm sorry about that yeah, random that's guitarist. Shit. That's pretty shit. Bro. That was a shitty thing to do. You better apologize to Jimi Hendrix and. Uh, <laughs> I didn't go that far. Like, I, I was smart about it. I picked like obscure. Like you know, I'd find his Someone clips with online. Someone your skin tone. Yeah. Um, no, they'll just be audio files, never video. <laughs> YouTube didn't exist back then. Um, but I understand. I understand the the desire, the want to put on, like, you know, the idealized version of yourself online. Because, you know, you can. Yeah, and if I mean, you can, so, why wouldn't you? So you take that to the nth degree. Yes. We are talking about H, then. Yes. H is this... Um, so is part is Wade Watts, the main character's best friend. I'm still assuming that people Have haven't read the, read the book and are still here. So no, no, no. They've read H, the book. They've read the book. Okay. The, we, 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 this retention is just people that have read the book. Yeah. And but if so you haven't, if you forgot. So H is Parsifal's best friend. They're two... Basically, they're... 
in my head, there's the same white boy. Basically, they're white kids, and they blah, blah, blah. But in reality, H is, her name's Holly, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And she's an overweight black girl. Mm. And her mom gave her the idea of, like, look, present yourself as a fit white guy, and you'll get along much better. Racism, alive and well in 2044. Yeah. It's just, they're being practical, almost to an extent. Because what was it? Her mom was, like, a worker, a phone worker. Yeah, so yeah, she, yeah. Anyway. So that, but but that's the thing, is that she's a lesbian. Mm. And she, she feels more comfortable as a man. As a white male. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. So who are you really? Who are you really? I guess... Caitlyn Jenner? Bruce <laughs> Jenner? Who are you? I guess a lot of it is like, you can you can kind of be the person you want to be mm-hmm. online. I think that's... The, it's the, freeing, isn't it? The basis In a weird way. Yeah. But then, then you have catfishing. Cat you have catfishing. Weird. Then you have catfishing. The, uh, that, that's when it gets but weird. in a weird way, catfishing in the world of Oasis 2044 is less of a thing because you can have a full-on relationship with just the avatars. Mm. So you fall in love with someone, they're a 60-year-old white man. Mm. Would you, would you, do you think you can ever fall in love with an avatar? Like, just the avatar? <sighs> Possibly. Yeah. Because, I mean, even when it comes to girls in IRL, in real life, I'm yeah. always about their... Their mind. And by their minds, dude. That's not, I mean, that's bullshit, but it's not bullshit to me. It's like, yeah, that's bullshit. But it's He's like. man of the heart. He cares like, about what's inside, oh, not man, outside. Look at that girl across the street at the way at the bar. Look at how good her personality looks. <laughs> I'll stick my face in her personality. Mm-mm. No, but like literally though, like if a girl yeah. is smart and kind and funny and witty and can debate with me, forget about it. My heart is yours, Mm-mm-mm. you know? And you don't need. John loves a good fight. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> And you don't need to, I mean, you don't need that. I mean, you don't need to have an external skin to match that. It's just, yeah. you connect on a mental and a, and a heart level. That's that's love, man. That's awesome. That's beautiful. Yeah. I don't know. Something about the whole catfisher thing, I think is great. Like, I remember watching a few episodes and it was like, it was very much in the spirit of this book. The show you know? is called Catfishing? Is it? Catfish, yeah. MTV, Catfish, yeah. Like they, they made yeah, a documentary yeah. called Catfish that mm-hmm. got spinned off into a show. So, long and short of catfishing, if you guys don't know, is basically when someone pretends to be someone else and like uh, tries to find someone to fall in love with through the guise of another avatar. Um, kind of what H does. Um, the, kind the, of. The, well, H is just being herself. Yeah. But I think the idea of it is so cool, though. Cause, uh, it's, no, not cool. The idea of it is so funny. Because you see the show, and then these guys are like, oh, but she understands me, you know, like no one else does. We connect on so many levels. We have so many common interests. Mm-hmm. She really gets me. She listens. She understands. Oh, she's fat? Oh, never mind then. I'm good. Yeah. That's awful. like the spirit of catfish. And like, it's like, ugh. It's like something about it is just kind of like, ugh. It's, it's scary. It's scary that... um. Uh, uh, the other side of that coin of you know having an online personality is that who are you speaking to you know am I speaking to the girl of my dreams or am I speaking to a 60 year old man yeah they should definitely cover that because like Artemis was like you don't know anything about me Wade I could be this blah 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 and Wade was like I don't care if you're 60 years old and 600 pounds I will still love you which is I will still love you until I die we yeah. could be heroes. Come what? May- what? <laughs> oh, we're doing David Bowie. I don't know. I, I was doing the Mulan. Yeah, I was doing the Mulan Rouge thing. Oh, okay, got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never watched that movie. Sorry. Oh, it's a good movie. Yeah, cool. Okay. So yeah, I mean, so that's that's the book in a nutshell. I guess. Is there anything else you want to talk about the book? 
I mean, I just, I, like, you guys know the plot. We don't have to go delve really into the plot. I just, yeah. oh, no, here's what I want to talk about. How did you deal with the 80s cultural references? Okay, for me, only because um, I'm very into uh, American pop culture mm-hmm. in general and video game history in general, even movie history in general. Um, I understood majority of the references, uh, save for stuff that was like really, really um, obscure, like when they played games in a TS-180. That's yeah. stuff that I couldn't quite grasp. All, but like it's all a simple Google away. Yeah, like, totally. all, all I did was like Google the game and like I understood immediately. Like, I never played Joust, but what's the what the is it uh, the one where this is second gate where it's like the game is like you type stuff. That's how the game works. That's Dungeons of Dagrath. Yeah, my brother played games like that. Oh. Like I would just sit and watch. I'm just like, literally just watching text. Like he'd be like forward, <clears throat> forward, forward. Oh, the, the, the really like, you popular just one. What was a really popular one? Uh, the one where you can get dysentery and die. And what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Oregon Trail. Oregon Trail, no, no. Like, this game had no visual representation. It was just text. Mm. So it would be like, I step forward. Okay, you're in a dungeon, blah, blah, blah. And you would you make decisions. So, like, yeah, and basically all the references, I mean, I got. I mean, like, the music was so cool when they were talking about, like, in the in the ballroom or for Og's birthday. That was awesome. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. mean, I'd never heard of Joust before, but, you know. Yeah. Uh, most of the references, I mean, okay, if you're... Um, I guess if you grew up around the same time that we did, you know, like when you were a kid in the 90s and a teenager in the 2000s, uh, a, bulk of these, a bulk of these references might fly past your head. But I feel like if you're kind of as in-depth into pop culture as we are, like, you'd understand a good amount of it, you know, like... like, like it like, seeps into the ether. Like, have yeah, you ever yeah. seen like, like, Holy Grail? You've seen Holy Grail. I've, I've seen, seen Holy Grail. I've seen, Ferris, Holy Grail. I've seen Ferris Bueller. I've seen... War Games. I saw War Games. I have not seen that, actually. I, th- I saw... I watched it, actually, after I first read the book. Oh, okay. So... Um, but, yeah, I mean, the references, they, they are... They do run pretty deep, but you don't necessarily have to know all of them. You know, you can get... And they're you, you woven run, into yeah. the story enough that it makes sense without really, really knowing it. It's, like, almost like just a bonus. It's, yeah, it is, it, it's a bonus that if you know. Like, when they made references to, like, Serenity... And, like, <laughs> and passing, like, he had, like, I have, like, 17 lightsabers. Yeah. <laughs> like, something like that. that 17 was, lightsabers, yeah. you know, I have the Serenity, it goes pretty fast, but my car of choice is a DeLorean with Kit's voice box and a Ghostbuster logo yeah. on the side. He has, he has an X-Wing, and he has, yeah, Firefly. It's great. It's so yeah. Good. I like how... Th- I like how um, uh, the uh, the not, not the president like the mayor of Oasis, oh, whatever it is, is Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton. <laughs> I yeah. love that. I love that. He got he got it was a in passing. It was a very nice. It was yeah. a very nice touch. I was like I was listening out for him to like laugh when he read it in the audiobook, but no, straight just he he straight faced it. All right, so, <clears throat> so of I, course with every book discussion of this nature. Mm-hmm. We we gotta get into fantasy casting, man. Yeah, especially since they're making it into a movie. Yeah, especially because I think Steven Spielberg bought the rights to the movie back in March. Is that right? Was this was he producing it as well? I have no idea. Anyway, he's directing it, so yeah. he's on board for sure. He's directing the movie, and and let me tell you why that's awesome. Because the my, my concern when I knew that they were gonna make Ready Player One is that yeah. man, how are they gonna get all these licenses? Yes, the getting all the IPs involved in one movie is gonna be tough. Hundreds of them, hundreds. There's tons of references, tons of characters that are actually involved in the thing. But if, <laughs> any, if anyone can get people to cooperate, it's Steven fucking Spielberg. Though. Steven Spielberg, all he's gotta do is just like say, "Hey guys, come on, bro, come on, hey, come on, I'm making a movie. I'm Steven Spielberg. I'm talking this." So I cut you off. What were you saying? Okay, sorry. Um, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. If, if anyone can do it, Steven Spielberg can, you know, because he's Steven fucking Spielberg. Um, uh, there's tons of IPs involved in this, um, from, like, video games to TV, movies, and, like... Manga, uh, yeah, yeah. Everything. 
And I guess, especially because in the world of the Oasis, you can buy items from TV shows and you can wear items from TV shows. You can you can be characters from your favorite TV shows. So I think it would be a huge disservice to the movie itself if they didn't present that in yeah. some way. You know, if, if you didn't see like, you know, a bunch of extras walking around dressed up as like people from Star Wars or dressed up as people from Lord of the Rings. Or like from Back to the Future. Yeah, exactly. It would be a disservice to like those franchises. But wait, wait. But- isn't Steven Spielberg like owner of, not owner, but like he's involved than like a good number of those franchises yeah, to begin with. But still with, not right? enough. Like, like for example, like, like you can't have the climax without Ultraman, Voltron, mm. you know, Mechagodzilla. You need all of those things. You need Mechagodzilla and Ultraman. Well, I mean, yes. Um, I'm kind of heartened because you see it happening more and more nowadays with like movies like, like Marvel, Ralph. right? What? Whoa. Okay, you go first. Okay, uh, I see it more and more happening with movies like Wreck It Ralph or like the upcoming Pixels, where they're involving IPs from different companies and they're coming together, you know, to tell a cool story. Because with Wreck It Ralph, you saw people from Street Fighter, you saw people from like um, Halo, Gears of War, the only one Pac Man. The only one who wouldn't do it was uh, the uh, Mario Brothers, right? They didn't, Nintendo didn't want to use Mario's. I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. Was, I, didn't, I, I don't remember seeing Mario, but I remember seeing like so many like video game references in there. And That's I was a good like, point. That's yeah, a good yeah. point. And what I was so trying cool to say, to see though, those companies come together. What I was trying to say when we tried to do our mind melt anything that totally failed. Yeah. X Men is that like uh, with Marvel? With Marvel, X Men and Spider Man, and they're now being uh, slowly. Sony is trying to is giving to Marvel. Yeah, well, that's, that's of like, a, look, you guys make a good story. Go use our shit. It's fine. We'll all that, make money somehow. That's a different kind of case though, because technically yeah. Marvel owns all that shit anyway. Technically, they don't though. Not in the movie world. Yeah, but anyway, true, true, true. Um, but yeah, and and the upcoming um, Adam Sandler schlock Pixels. I heard it sucks. I, I don't care, but like they're, they're they're involving different IPs as well, like Donkey Kong, Pac Man, Qbert, Space Invaders. Like they're putting them all in the same movie to tell a story about that era in gaming. Yep. So you know, I I don't think it's too far fetched to think that you know we're gonna see all those references in one movie. We're probably not gonna get all of them. To be fair, you're probably not gonna get like all the nerdy goodness that you want. But you know, be happy if you see Serenity. Um, flying next to the X-Wing. I would cry. I would actually I would cry shit my jizz. pants. I would cry jizz. I, I would jizz tears. I would shit jizz tears. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, make that your new ringtone. Yep. Um, but hey, man. Okay, but anyway, yeah, so... Let's get into the Dreamcast. Dreamcast! And okay. the Xbox. And the PlayStation. <laughs> and the GameCube. <laughs> Sega it. Genesis. Nintendo. Sega. Nintendo 64. Doom, 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 doom. Okay, um... All right, so let's start with the main man. Let's start with Wade, <coughs> Wade, Wade Watts, Watts Percival, Parzival, Parzival, with a Z, with a Z, Parzival. Speaking of Leet, I loved how like words like noob and hacksaws and like Leet were like still relevant. Yeah, two thousand four. And then I like that they made it with new ones like the Suxors, yeah, and Gunters. Great. Anyway, so anyway, Wade Watts. So Wade Watts, what he said, he just graduated high school, so he's eighteen year old, eight year old white boy, from youngish guy, yeah, Oklahoma. Okay, so my dream cast for this one. Um, is actually an actor from one of my most favorite recent movies and probably future actor of one of my favorite future movies, um, Miles Teller, guy from Whiplash, and he's going to be um, Reed Richards in Fantastic Four. I heard that movie sucks. <laughs> I don't care. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch the hell out of Fantastic Four. Um, but Miles Teller, I think he's kind of perfect. He's like a average-looking dude. Um, who is? He's a great actor, um, and I think he can kind of have that... Um, uh, range of being like an awkward chubby kid and then being a more confident fit kid and also being really just just you know Parzivali you know I think that's an important thing that yes. the aesthetic but also that 
awkwardness and that social um, discomfort, which you saw perfectly in Whiplash. You know, the character in Whiplash, he was kind, of, he was extremely socially awkward. Um, so I think, yeah, but socially awkward in a weird kind of self-involved kind very of very self-involved sense. But still, right. you know, but he's a, he's, he's a great he's, actor. He's a good enough a actor. Good call. He's a good enough actor to I think pull off Parzival. Who's your call, John? My call is, man, this guy's actually, this kid is really becoming one of my favorite actors, and it's hard to say that about someone who's like eight years younger than me, is Logan Lerman. Logan Lerman. You might know him as the main guy in Perks of Being a Wallflower, from The Young Kid in Fury, yeah. or Percy Jackson's. Percy that Jackson. Guy, I right? secretly love that movie, but I'm not going to go into it. He was actually, he was cast in one of my favorite TV shows that was gone too soon, this TV show called Jack and Bobby from 2004. No about idea, these but, two bro- it's just really good it's, a, it's about these two brothers who in the future one becomes president you don't know who right away anyway and it's very interesting <laughs> see Logan Lerman I think if you take perks of being a wallflower Logan Lerman that's that's perfect for him for in, in as Parzival mm. and then you take lightning thief uh, Logan Lerman that's him in as the, Parzival the, other, sorry, other way around so Wade Watts in the real world especially in the beginning of the part is perks of being a wallflower yeah. but when he's, when he's doing his thing when he's doing things he's figuring out what to do Parzival lightning is thief. lightning thief I get that, yeah, and he has a believable look. He looks like he can be like yeah. And, and the thing with lo- with, with Miles though. Teller is that he has this cockiness about him that it's mm-hmm. like it's just a smugness on his face that you can't really give away. Where Logan Lerman has this innocence about him that I think really works. I think that's because you're basing it just off Whiplash, though. Like he was just so he was be- he was such a good I'm sure. dick. He was such a good dick in Whiplash, and and then in the Divergent books, uh, Divergent movies too. Yeah, I feel like that sentence has been said before. Such a good dick in Whiplash. <laughs> Alrighty, that dick, that dick gave me a hell of a whiplash. Oh wow! Um, yeah, I think that's a pretty good call. Logan yeah. Lerman slash Miles Teller, Hollywood, make it happen. Come yeah, on, yeah, a couple other. I mean, what else? Do you mean? Nicholas Holt, we mentioned. There's a lot of honorable mention. Nicholas Holt, Nicholas but I don't know. He's a, he's a little bit too uh, good looking. I think you think so. He's good looking in a way that like I understand. Yeah, I don't know if that made sense, but like you know, sure. he's not he's not obviously good looking like say the Brad Pitt or Robert Downey Juniors, but. He he has like that charm, okay. you know. Well, let's go to the second character. I mean, let's talk about H. So let's talk about H. H is okay. So H, two separate castings. Yeah, you gotta to you have to cast H and you have to cast um Holly. Is that her name? That's okay. I'm looking it up because now it's gonna piss me off. <laughs> What's H's real name? So in the meantime, um, okay. So my dream cast for H, um, the the the, the Avatar version. Is straight up man, Channing Tatum. <laughs> Just because I want to see him in more movies and I like his face. Yeah, he's not getting enough work that Channing Tatum. <laughs> Poor guy. No. Um uh I remember seeing him in Step Up, the first movie, and just going like, Oh, this guy looks strange. And I was just I remember being genuinely happy for him. I don't know why I don't I, I have no connection to Mr. Tatum, but I remember being genuinely happy for him when I watched um Twenty One Jump Street. Hmm. Only because I was like yeah, man, good for you. You freaking stepped the hell out of that typecast. Like, you stepped out of action star slash, like, heartthrob into, like, a believable meathead. Which I think he might kind of be. Totally but, but But still, like, I, I, I love him as a as an actor, and I think he'll be a pretty good, like, um, avatar. Like, the H avatar. Like, you know, you need to be, like, the perfect-looking white I mean, he's, alpha male. He's basically a sports star, right? Because he, he, like, yeah, yeah. He's, like, he's like a superstar. He's just, he's like Cause a, he plays, he goes to the gaming tournaments in the exactly, shop. Exactly. Yeah. So, my, my go-to is Channing Tatum. And John just pulled up the name for H's real um, uh, player, Helen Harris. Very off. Um, what were we saying? What were we saying? Holly? We say Holly Hunter or Holly Hunt or Holly... Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock. Um, okay, so my call for Helen Harris is um oh what's her name danielle brooks so um, if that name sounds familiar 
for all of you guys that watch Orange is a New Black. Daniel Brooks is tasty. Oh, mm-hmm. I love tasty so much. I love her. I love her. I think like in that show, she had such dimension and so much character. I I loved I love Daniel. That's Brooks. pretty perfect, and she's like just about the right size. I mean, she's quite right tall age. and she's quite and curvy. The right age. She's yeah. a young. She's a young her lady. voice seems just about right too. Oh, like yeah. this is such a good call. Like, I couldn't. I can't really do much better than that. I mean, the first person I thought of for for H. for Helen was Gabrielle Sidibe. Gabrielle Sidibe of Precious Precious Inspired by Pushed by Sapphire. I but know. you're right about her. She has like more light in her face. She's like yeah. You know, it's perfect. Also, she was an orange and new black, so being a lesbian isn't going to be a far cry. Sure. Hey yo. So let's that, and then but my my call for the avatar of H is like slightly different. Like you know, Hollywood likes to change shit for no real reason. Yeah, yeah. But because I did like the the notion that it's like oh, it's just a regular white guy, but in reality, it's an overweight black a yeah. uh, black girl. But I think I think it'd be interesting if they went with. They didn't change the. They just changed the gender and the size, but not the the skin color, the race. And plus, he's so hot right now. I want to go with Michael B. Jordan. Fantastic Four reunion. Hell what? yeah! Uh, Michael B. Jordan. He's playing uh, the Human Torch in Fantastic Four. He's so good in Friday Night Lights and mm. lots. Of, he's he's gonna be. He's in the new Rocky movie. What's it called Ooh, again? Uh, 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 Apollo. Uh, Apollo. Apollo. Is that what's called? Yeah, about Apollo Creed's son. It's called Creed. Creed. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of see that happening if, if, if Holly, when Hollywood makes the movie. I kind of see that happening just because I think they might want to do away with the whole like concept of racism still being a thing in 2044. <laughs> so they might just be like, you know, just let's let's not go there. Let's not touch that topic. And instead just make him a straight up like um, really hot black dude. Yeah. And that's the thing is that Michael B. Jordan, he exudes coolness. He's cool. Which is why I think him and Logan Lerman would be such a good team together. Oh, yeah. Because like, H is kind of like the alpha male like cool guy, you know? Like, he's the, he's the guy that everyone else wants to be. He's the badass with the huge, giant fire sword. That How crazy would it be if we got all this, all this right? Uh, unlikely. Yeah. Chances are when they make this movie, it's like there's going to be no stars in it. Actually, wait, no, but it is Steven Spielberg, though. I don't know. Still a good call, though, that he probably cast a bunch of unknowns. Especially, who knows when casting will happen. Anyway. Right, okay. So, moving on to Artemis. Artemis. Oh, this girl. Okay. For me, there's only real one choice. Okay, so, to be honest, as I was reading um, the book as Artemis... uh, Sorry, as I was reading the book, I was thinking of Artemis to be um, this girl, this YouTuber girl. But I know it's unrealistic because, you know, we're going Dreamcast here, but you still want to have a certain, like, stretch of realism so they're not going to cast a youtuber they're going to cast like a proper actress but just to put it out there my kind of dream cast for artemis was this youtuber called dodger lee mm-hmm. um she does this show called um press heart to continue and i think she's perfect um to be artemis only because they're more or less the same person you know the super um well-versed of pop culture really nerdy and properly just like educated in that sense yeah and also because dodger lee is like the right mix of pretty but not overly hot to the point where like she wouldn't want to reveal her identity yeah i hear what you're saying you know yeah, ironically I, I in my head when i was reading the book before i thought of casting i had a youtuber in my head too and it's comic book girl 19 check out her stuff she's probably too hot and too sexy to do it but there's something about her attitude and the way she talks it just like when when because comic book girl 19 likes to ramble and so does artemis that's what really made me think of it they're just a bunch of rambling bitches yeah i mean polite ladies i was just thinking of someone that was like Pretty, not too pretty, but could realistically kind of, you know, hmm. be that Artemis-y kind totally. of vibe. Because you can't get someone too hot. 
Because like I hate it when they just like get a really hot chick and then put maybe like no, a no, scar no. on her and then go like, oh, she has low self esteem and she's and she doesn't like to be seen in public because she has a scar. Poor Megan Fox and her wine stain. If they do that, dude, I swear, if they get like a really hot girl and just put a wine stain on her, I'm gonna get so <laughs> upset. Not really, something should be pretty though. But okay, but for me, the only person you can I really want to see do this is Shailene Woodley. Shailene Woodley. She's so hot right now too. Yeah, and she's an amazing actress. She's very such layered, a good actress. Very, very nuanced. Like even in that shit balls divergent, like the part where um, a very important character to her dies. No spoilers, whatever. She makes that she's movie. Losing. It makes it. Oh, she's so good. She makes that movie. I loved her in uh, uh, that John Green book. What is it? Um, the Fault the in Bible. Our Stars. The, the Bible. <laughs> the The Fault in Our Stars. Yeah, she was great in that one. Yeah, good call. I would love to see Shailene Woodley as Artemis because I think um, she could kind of. Uglify herself to be um, Artemis in real life, but, again, in, but she's not ugly in real life. Like she basically, oh, she's no, no, like no, a no, little no. bit curvier no, no, than no, no, Avatar, no, no, and no, with no, a no. big port wine stain, right? But I, I, I get what you're saying. The uglify is basically she's port not wine like stain. she's. I mean, she's gorgeous, but like if you take off the makeup and you put yes. her hair, like she would she look like a regular plain. girl. She looks story, yeah. plain. But yeah, I, I I get it. She's spicy. She's spicy. She's got that character. She um, does, and she has the good gift of gab. Like she's good at talking. Oh yes. Do you think it's too obvious though? Like Hollywood would never like. She, do you think she would take this movie? Yeah, fucking Steven Spielberg, yo. Yeah. Uh, okay. Shoto and Daito. Shoto and Daito. Okay, so this one's Great, a little bit the Asian guys. <laughs> this one is a little bit tougher. Um, hey man, us. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. Steven Spielberg. Let's yes. Do it. I mean, I'm a little busy, but I'll take the offer. I don't mind. Okay. Um, so <laughs> that means you would die. Oh. <laughs> Why I gotta be Daito though? I want to. You're taller than I am. That's true. Okay, so my dream cast for Shoto and Daito. So, um, their avatars and the real-life versions are very different. And I didn't think of one for Daito only because he never really appears, so it's not important. But my go-to for um, Daito was this guy called Lee Byung-hoo. Mm-hmm. Hun, sorry, Lee Byung-hoon. He's a slightly older guy. I don't know if it'll fit great because he is, like, literally in his 30s. But, again, he's an avatar. He's supposed to look, sure. you know, like over-the-top masculine and action starry. And Lee Byung-hyun, is that, he was that guy in G.I. Joe and um, I Saw the Devil. Oh, Shadowstorm? I think so. The white ninja? The Asian guy in G.I. Joe. Right. Um, so, you know, he has the right build. And for Shoto, um, I had two people in mind because, you know, we meet Shoto's avatar and his real-life um, uh, analog. Um, Daniel Henney for Avatar Shoto. Daniel Henney, I'm going to pull up a picture right now for John because he looks very confused. Um, Daniel Henney is... I don't know Asian actors who are not my friends. <laughs> um, he's a... Yeah, he's, he's a beautiful he, specimen of man. He's a beautiful specimen. He was in X-Men Wolverine Origins. He played... Oh, as the Asian. As the... As the he was Asian 5. Um, but look, look at that face. Yeah, it's... Yeah, it's, that's, that's some chiseling. He's a on. sexy guy. And I would, I would believe that he was maybe like 20, you know? Like... Yeah. yeah. Um, but for the real-life version of um, Daniel Henney... I'm going to make a realistic choice here because, you know, Hollywood isn't going to go full on like troll. Yeah. Steven Yeun. Yeah. Of Walking Dead fame. That's a good call. I think he looks See, for like, me, properly nerdy enough. To- I would have Steven Yeun play. Well, well, okay. Well, hold on. Who's young? Who's older? Shoto's the younger Shoto's one. Right? Shoto's the one that lives on. And then Shoto, he's like 13 supposedly, right? So they'd probably have to cast an unknown. But I would love to see Steven Yeun or Ki Hong Lee as whoever they, the Asian Daito, I guess. Yeah. But and then I, I I'm I'm against the notion of casting two different people for the avatars. I think they can just do enough with prosthetics and makeup that and like just losing weight, gaining weight, whatever that they can play themselves. But I feel like because aside from H, I think everyone should play both avatars and the main thing. But 
if you think culturally, like Japan stuff, like have you seen like the crazy ass anime? Yeah, like, sure, sure. But I'm just saying those those anime girls have tits the size of like two heads. Yeah, but I'm saying <laughs> do whatever it takes to recreate it though, because I think in a movie it would just take you so far out of it if it's two actors playing the same thing. Whereas like if you just use this the movie magic to like really glam up or really like I suppose yeah. they they can pull a Captain America where yeah. they, when they put Chris Evans. I don't even think it would skinny. have to be that extreme, but yeah. But I mean, just think about. Um, how crazy! Just think about the ma- the matrix of like that coolness of the characters in the matrix versus what they really look like in the real world. Oh yeah, so, um, let's go yeah, on. Dreamcast. So wait, Steven Yeun, yeah, from from uh, from Walking Dead. Ki Hong Lee was in the Maze Runner, and he's on the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. And in the, between those two things, he had a big growth spurt. But I think he, he's a very handsome guy. Handsome dude. He looks a little bit like um, I, I I can't pull this one of those Asian guys. One of those Asian guys. Yep. But I, th- I think your first instinct was right. We should play them. We should. We should. Have honor. I, I would get thrown off a roof. All right, let's get to the bad guys. Who do you think should play Sorrento and the Sixers? Sorrento first. Okay, Sorrento. Head of IOI. My first pick for Sorrento is, um, of Star Trek fame, Chris Pine. It's a good call. Chris Pine. I mean, the guy, he is a freaking Adonis. <laughs> let's, let's be real here. Like, he is an immediately... Right, like he, you, you look at him and you just go like, yeah, like half my babies. <laughs> look at those eyes. Look at that hair. Look at that freaking like constant f- like four o'clock stubble going on right there. Four o'clock shadow. I mean, and like, I think because Sorrento needs to be someone that has like the charisma, and also like the, the 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 silver tongue, and he needs to have that kind of like venom behind him. You know, I think Chris Pine would be perfect. What you're saying, like, cause, well, for me, it's like. Sorrento to me sounds like a Latino name, mm. and I, it'd, be, it'd just be good to get some diversity. But I'm trying to think. I'm, I'm just trying to rack my brain who would be an interesting Latino man. Yeah, to play. Maybe someone Sorrento. like Javier Bardem could be interesting. Ooh, oh yeah. That but every time, but right? every time I think of Javier Bardem, I think No Country for Old Men, and that just gives me the creeps. Yeah, which is something he could bring to Sorrento. I suppose Benicio del Toro would have been interesting, but he's kind of old now. Mm. Well, Sorrento, I don't think Sorrento is bound by age. Not yeah, really. Like, because I mean, if all, most of the characters are like teenagers. Like, Sorrento's probably like early 30s, late 20s, early 30s, I guess. Yeah. But I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I mean, my, the big way out there when I thought it would be interesting would be like someone like Brian Cranston. For Sorrento? Yeah. Mm, maybe. I don't know. I kind of dig that. Because, like, Brian Cranston, he made a. Like, I mean, everyone knows. He made an outstanding villain in Breaking Bad. But also like a sympathetic enough character. Um, but then again, I don't. I, I think we should go full douche mode with, with Sorrento. But yeah, Robert Downey Jr. Duh, it's the opposite of a douchebag to me. <laughs> Johnny Depp. And we're just cruising around IMDb at the moment. Okay, anyway, so Johnny the Depp. Johnny Depp for Sorrento. That could be interesting. How many scarves would he be wearing? At least seventeen. At least seventeen. I think you. Uh, but not all at once. Like maybe four at once, and then like different ones. Rotate. Per scene. Rotate the scarves. Not, not between scenes. Nice between shots. Like okay. just cut over the shoulder. Mm. Different scarf. Over the shoulder. Different scarf. But the avatar. The avatar Sorrento needs to be made completely out of scarves. Yeah. <laughs> he needs to be like a. He needs like a mummy. Like, yeah, basically like a scarf. Mummy scarf mummy with like a fedora on top. All right. So who, who should we have play the Sixers? Ooh, the Sixers. So generic white guy, kind of buff, right? Generic white guy kind of buff. My go-to was Dolph Lundgren. (laughs) (laughs) 60-year-old, master's degree having Dolph Lundgren. Dolph Lundgren. Pretty funny. Okay, fine. How about if you want to go all the way? um, Who is that guy on the cover of all those Daniel Steele novels? Fabio? Fabio. The fuck? I want Fabio. I want Fabio to be all the Sixers. For me, 
And I think he's starting to show his acting chops a little bit. I would have John Cena. John Cena? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, I can see that happening. And he would bring in the nerds. He was he was in that movie um, that's coming out, Trainwreck. Yeah, and he looks pretty good in the trailers. I mean, just from looking at the trailers, he looks like he can handle it. I'm so I'm still on Team Fabio. I True, mean, man. I agree with John Cena. I agree with Team, but I'm still going with Team Fabio. How about that one? The bird flew and it broke his nose. <laughs> that's amazing. Okay, so we've done the main characters. Uh, we've done the bad guys. Okay, last two: Halliday and uh, Ogden Morrow. Okay, start so with Halliday. I'm gonna go with both of them at the same time sure. here, just because I want to pitch it. I want to pitch it in this way. I want to reunite of X Men fame of waiting for Gatto <laughs> for those theater nerds out there. Patrick Stewart, Sir Patrick Stewart, sorry, and Sir Ian McKellen. Are they both sirs? Yeah, Sir Ian McKellen. Yeah, Sir yeah, yeah. Ian McKellen and Sir Patrick Stewart as um, uh, Halliday and Og, respectively. What do you think about that? I think it's pretty interesting. I think, I think, what I really want is the friend to be really, really American. Yeah, I guess. But like, you know, Cause, how, like, cause, yeah, because it, it was pretty. It's pretty obvious that they're based off of Steve Jobs and Wozniak, right? Well, but in all in all movies, once you go past seventy five, you become British. Don't you know that? <laughs> yeah, but they're not that old. Okay, wait, hold on. So wait, wait. First of all, um, which one? Uh, Holiday. He died. What in his sixties or something? I forgot. I have no idea. I can't remember. So you have to have... So their avatars are both kind of wizards. I think maybe that's kind of where you're getting it subconsciously. Whereas probably, me, I, I also... I also... <laughs> probably not there even saying it. I was like, I just want to see Ian McKellen in a wizard robe again. <laughs> but ironically this time. See, I want to reunite another pair as well. I would like to reunite the dude. Mm. And John Goodman. Whatever his name is. <laughs> From Big Lebowski. I want Jeff Bridges to be Holiday, and I want John Goodman to be Og. Because Og, we get to learn, meet him a little bit more. He's He just comes across as really jolly, with a big love for life, and a big mm. life. He just seems like Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. That's why I want John Goodman. And Jeff Bridges can just pull off that. Just kind of detached. Yeah. yeah. I feel that. I but really honestly, like I really like Jeff Bridges for Holiday. But for Holiday, I really see this character actor named William Fitch. And you're like, who's that? You didn't even get his name right. William that's how that's how Fitch. good of a character actor he is. William Fitch- Fitchner. 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 I didn't finish typing up his name when I was doing it. That's fine. Uh, William Fitchner. I mean, you guys don't know who he is, but if you Google him, you'll be like, oh, that guy who's in everything. His face. Armageddon, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Prison Break. Prison Break, of course. He's just in everything. You know him. I loved him in Prison Break. I loved him in Black Locking Down, randomly. Mm. So anyway, yeah. So that's our Dreamcast for this movie. Make it happen, Stevie, Stevie S. I, I'm still going to go Patrick Stewart for Og. Yeah, I'm sure, of course. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess that's pretty much it. That's our thoughts on Ready Player. This was fun. Hey. This was fun. This was fun to cover a book. I hope you guys had fun. You know, hopefully you guys read the book or, if, or, or you know, if you happen to have already read the book because, you know, I feel like our audience already has, like, a thumb in that pie, that nerdy pie. Yeah, and if not, look, come back to this podcast. Hopefully you came back to this podcast months from now, years from now. Yeah. Totally fine. Like we have to write it. So do that. And how about this? Um, if you have book suggestions, you know, because this is along the lines of kind of what we're, we're digging, you know, mm-hmm. super pop culture kind of nerdy things going on. It's too bad we, did, we didn't do this for The Martian. That would have been a good one to do. A full episode of The Martian. But that's cool. Yeah. Um, but... Give us suggestions, man. Like, talk to us. Um, uh, reach us. Reach us. Reach out to us on Facebook, on Twitter, on the website goodhangpodcast.com. Yep. And maybe suggest like other books that we could cover. You know, yeah. books that you love and you want us to love as well. Because yep. I'm very for that. I am very for making a little community just between the three of us. It'll be fun. Yeah. 
So, yep, follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook. Uh, I'm on Instagram at John underscore Cancio. Like, like my shit. And like I, am, my shit. I am on that as well as me. Um, <laughs> guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for picking up a book and going back to just old school entertainment of stories and words. I know I kind of cheated with the audiobook, but whatever. Still, eh. still stories and words. Um, you know, thank you for giving this um, book club a chance. Thank you for uh, seeing us as literary connoisseurs, I guess you could say that. Yeah? See, maybe after they listen, maybe they don't know now. That is what true. What are idiots talking about? Which one idiots? But anyway, true. guys, we'll see you next week. Uh, so this is fun. This is two episodes in one week. Yeah. So A little mini bite. Yeah, totes. Anyway, we'll see you next time, guys. Bye, good hang gang. See ya. I would actually I would cry shit my pants. I would cry jizz. I would, I would jizz. Tears. I would shit jizz tears. <laughs> <laughs>